Today's episode is sponsored by Podcorn. I'm excited to introduce you all to Podcorn. It's a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities, ranging from interview segments to topical discussions and more. My absolute favorite feature is that there's no middleman. No matter the size or who the audience of your podcast is, you can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform that best fits you. It's super easy to browse your site, and I love how it's a one-stop shop for sponsorship opportunities, and it gives me the freedom to set my own rates. I can also collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. Podcorn is here to support you at every step and ensure you're protected and compensated for the work that you do for brands. Their mission is to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when we monetize. So make sure to click the link in my episode notes to sign up to Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities for your podcast or brand. You can also visit their site by typing podcorn.com in your search bar. Thank you so much to Podcorn for sponsoring the podcast. I really hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. that I am is a combination of Allah's love in my life. When you change how you treat yourself and you change how you spend your time, you realize that you are way more than these labels that people are trying to put upon you, like married women, single women, like whatever it is that the world is trying to tell you that makes you feel more than or less than. This is all falsehood to me. Those sisters who are not married or who are looking for a spouse, it's like, sis, you weigh more than partnership. When Allah says, I'm reserving the best for you, trust and believe it. Never ever lose hope when it comes to Allah's bounty. For us, when it comes to experiencing any type of hardship in this world, it's not that Allah does not love you, it's that Allah actually loves you too much. We have to be able to realize that this life that you're living, this is your particular path, Comparing it to what you think you should be doing or what you think should be happening is only going to rob you of the joy that you could be experiencing in this moment. If you're single, it shouldn't just mean that you're not dating. There is more to you than your relationship status. You're listening to Unsween and Unfilter the Podcast, Episode 6 of Season 3. Oftentimes, we witness a woman's value being tied to her relationship status. So what message are we sending to those who are single or unmarried? What happened to the belief of trusting in God's timing? In this episode, I sit down with Hafsa Hassan, a transformational coach with a holistic approach to discuss the stigma surrounding single women, the difference between settling and manifesting the right partner, and how to gauge sexual compatibility before marriage. Okay, I know I say this for every episode, but this is truly a much-needed conversation. Would it be considered an exaggeration if I were to say that there's a rising epidemic in our communities when it comes to women being unable to find suitable partners? Or is it the truth and we have to actively figure out how to diagnose the issue at hand? In this episode, I want to focus on destigmatizing the idea of being single. Why do we pity those who are not married and why do we place so much pressure to rush into this serious, lifelong commitment? We often rush into the next phase of our lives without truly enjoying where we are now. In a way, I believe that for the most part, we are at the right place and right time in our lives. There's a reason why certain things unfold for us and why other things are put on hold for us. I get it. It's not easy blocking out the extra white noise 
and the unsolicited opinions of others. It would be nice for once if extended family could ask me how I'm doing rather than pointing out the fact that I'm still unmarried. Does the word akbalik trigger anyone else or is it just me? Don't get me started on the halal dating scene, but for the sake of the episode topic, we might as well discuss it. I think it's time for us women to navigate it with the confidence and belief that we are the prize and to not lower our standards just because society thinks we're asking for too much, whatever that means. In this episode, Hafsa covers the baseline and foundation every relationship should come with. We also touch upon the difference between settling for a partner versus manifesting the one. I also get that times may be different than when our parents met one another, so Hafsa made it a point to discuss how to navigate the dating scene while also being transparent about it with our parents. But the most important point we covered is finding out who we are at our core, stripped away from the identity of being someone's daughter, mother, wife, or sister. I just want to say this once more. Your worth does not lie in the relationships you do or don't have at the moment. Don't forget that Naseeb also includes yourself and what Allah has written for you to experience before ever being someone's partner. Let's dive in. Thank you so much, Hafsa, for joining me today. I'm honestly excited. You're somebody that I've been fangirling over on Clubhouse, which is an app that I think more and more people are starting to figure out. But I just absolutely love everything that you always share. And I think the topic of just being single is one that's super, super important. I feel like it's a conversation that's being had on all platforms. With this conversation, I really want to just destigmatize the idea of being single and just talk about how a woman's worth isn't always tied to her relationship status. And then also just the idea of, you you know, I, I think this is something that I've also struggled with settling versus manifesting the right guy. And then inshallah, we can, you know, obviously go over many other things in regards to being single. You know, the conversation can go on and on in regards to that on topic. And on and on. Yes. As women, it will take us time to figure ourselves out because, you know, societal education, you know, our families, we're not really set up with the best tools to honor ourselves, right? The honor is always like attached to something that is kind of like conditional, right? For you to be seen as a good woman, you have to fulfill these particular uh, things and not really living in your own truth and trying to establish who you are and what you're into. But yeah, absolutely my honor to be on here today with you, Junia. Like, I absolutely love that the idea of, like, crossing paths with not only yourself, but just so many different women on the on the Clubhouse app. And social media is so powerful because it is that active engagement that has people being introduced to different ideas cross-culturally. We're able to meet. I'm from the UK. I'm in London and you're in Chicago. And here we are with each other. It's a bit crazy. But when you think about it, it's also really, really cool. So it's absolutely my honor to come on here today and just kind of share my tricks of the trade or my experiences. And inshallah, someone out there will find it beneficial. That is absolutely so true, Hafsa. And that's why I was just like, you know, with social media, I'm starting to love it more and more because it's like incredible to be able to cross paths with somebody virtually, not in, in physical form, but it's incredible because it's like, yeah, like you said, you're all the way in the UK. I'm all the way in Chicago. But subhanAllah, we all share kind of the same struggles. You know, even if we come from different backgrounds and whatnot, we still have kind of almost the same cultural ills, so to speak. So I would love for you to really introduce yourself because I myself have looked over your resume and you're just incredible all around. But I would love for our listeners to know just as much as I know about you, inshallah. My name is Hafsa Hassan. I am currently a transformational coach and a life coach. I started off life coaching, but then I realized I wanted to do something that would create a more holistic approach to people's problems and lives. And even though I am a task-oriented 
type of individuals I'd be like to start and finish something. I was also more interested in how people's lives can be improved on the whole. So I got into transformational coaching, which I'm loving at the moment. Uh, and it's also allowed me to extend myself to, you know, different social platforms and meet different women like yourself. I'm also an educator. I was in an education sector for over 10 years, as well as being a faculty member and being in, in the management section. Um, and I really did quite enjoy my time there. And I'm a community organizer as well. So I'm very much involved in trying to see different ways that, you know, we can come together as a community to make these changes because as much as it is about that individual transformation we are also part of a whole and so coming uh, into these spaces as ourselves but also being in a benefit within that space is something that is very important to me so yeah that's uh, me pretty much summed up that's so beautifully said and it's true honestly I think it's really important for us to work on ourselves individually because that's how our community can better itself you know what I mean we can't just show up in these community spaces with unhealed wounds and and like I said this cultural ills and in this mindset so we do have to take accountability it's hard a healing journey is not easy it's just as painful as the things that you've gone through in the past and sometimes it's painful to even face yourself and try to work on yourself but the work is necessary it needs to be done so with the topic of destigmatizing being single I think this is something that you know I grew up in a generation where it's almost like you are not a whole person or there's something wrong with you why are you not getting marriage proposals or whatever it may be and something like that honestly is just very detrimental to women and this topic and this podcast is specifically tailored for women so I do just want to really address women in regards to destigmatizing being single but I want us to talk about what can we do when we're single? Because when you're single, it shouldn't just mean that you're not in a relationship. It shouldn't just mean that you're not dating or you're not seeing somebody. You're more than that. So how do we set intentions for ourselves? How do we work on ourselves while being single and not rushing into the next relationship or whatever is available, which we're going to talk about in just a bit as well? I think as women, we really need to take time out with ourselves outside of our families, outside of the work that we do, outside of our friendships and really take time out to get to know yourself because life will always be busy. It will always be hectic, right? And you don't want to wake up one day and feel like you've overlooked yourself. You should be the center of everything that is happening in your life right? Whether you're interacting with your family or you're working, whatever it is that you're doing, you should be the center of that because the center of you is a lot at the end of the day, right? So when God says that he's breathing his light into us, dishonoring ourselves, because I always relate the relationship I have with myself to the relationship that I have with Allah, because I come from my creator and I'm going to return back to my creator. So what kind of return do I want to have? So I want to keep returning back to myself, Right. Before I can turn back to Allah, I have to turn back to myself because if I am an extension of my Lord's, Lord's grace, right, I have to learn to be graceful with myself. I have to learn to fall in love with myself because when Allah is saying that, you know, like to love Him, and even when the Prophet said, I'm saying is to, you know, you won't, you cannot have true faith until you love me. For me personally, I cannot love another human being without fully loving myself. And these bits and pieces that we're of affection that we're looking for in other people is actually the affection that we are starving ourselves from our ourselves. And so for me, I cannot, I'm now in the mindset of, I do not expect anything from somebody else that I do not do for myself first and foremost. If I want those flowers, I'm going to give myself flowers first and foremost. If I want to be wined and dined, I'm going to wind and dine myself first because once I fall in love with me, everybody else, right? That's the measuring stick. But the measuring stick is you better love me the way I love myself because someone who truly loves themselves, the bar is very, very high. If you're making sure that you're resting, you're making sure that you're learning, like mental stimulation is very key because in our religion, in our past, I'm speaking as a Muslim woman because that's who I am. In our past, 
mental stimulation, intellectual stimulation is everything. Knowledge is power. So taking that time out to get those skills, whatever those skills may be, if it's towards your education, if it's towards your skill level, if it's towards just your general well-being, learning about food and nourishment and exercise and just taking walks out and just simple things. Even like, you know, what kind of perfume are you into? Like I meet women who are like not fussed about so many different things. And I say to them, are you not fussed because you're disinterested or are you not fussed because you're not even taking time out to find what you're into? For me, ain't no passion project that is going to trump Hafsa, right? Hafsa is the first and key and major passion project in my life because nothing is going to truly have my love and affection. Nothing is truly going to work around me if I'm not working. I cannot bring a carcass to the table. And that is how we're treating ourselves, right? We're moving through the world unstimulated. You know, we wonder why we are lacking passion. When you, when I speak to my clients and they want to tell me, listen, I, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to accomplish. I ask them, what's your sleep pattern? What do you take time out for yourself to eat well? How do you cook your food? What type of, like, are you making sure that you're drinking enough water in the day? And when they ask me, okay, but that's, that's not what I'm talking about. This, I'm, t- I'm trying to tell you about my passion. I'm like, well, this passion that you're talking about, you're going to experience, you know, burnout. You're going to experience being overwhelmed, being depressed, being anxious because you're not looking after yourself. If you see all of your dreams coming true at the end of the day, what state are you going to be in? Are you going to be a healthy, happy person? Or are you going to be someone who has, because to be honest with you, I only started to take a look at my wellness regime when I hit my 30s. And that's just four years ago. My entire 20s was me just, you know, like, living to work, not working to live. I would show up and I thought that having accomplishments and accolades and being known as being, you know, this, you know, this particular person in the community, I thought that that was the important thing. I thought that self-sacrifice was, was just life. That's all I saw from my mother, from the elders in my community. If you're a woman, sacrificing yourself is just a part and parcel of life. Until I took a step back and I was actually taking a deep look at the life of the Rasulullah the life of my prophet and taking time out to travel to Mauritania. I went out there in 2019 and I was just watching the women within the village, like within my sheikh's village, right? And how they divided up their time. Yes, they had to work. Yes, they had family obligations. Yes, you know, like life was busy within the village, but there was a lot of downtime as well. Like they made sure that they took time out for themselves to paint their hands with henna, to apply that cream that they love so much, to comb each other's hair, to design each other's hair with these beautiful braids. And I was like, wow, these people are actually working to live. They're not living to work. And I was like, it was like this little bulb that went out in my mind. And I was just thinking to myself, it's just like, okay, yes, I might live in, I might live in the UK. I might, I might have a completely different lifestyle, but what type of life do I want for myself? Like, do I want to be completely going through these cycles where I feel depleted or do I want to take time out for myself? And at the core of everything was their relationship with God. And they're understanding that, you know, first and foremost, this body is in a manner. What state am I keeping it in? And if I am burning it out, what am I burning it out for? Because if it's the dunya, guess what? The dunya will be here and you will be gone. But if it's like true alignment, and for me, when I think of alignment, all these different things, you know, right now in the wellness industry, people, you know, it's heavily indoctrinated with the Hindu and the Buddhist tradition. And as a Muslim, we have a very rich tradition and a rich faith that we can incorporate 
within our wellness regime. So for example, if I'm taking time out to meditate, I'm centering my tradition, my Islamic faith, the du'as of light, the du'a of nur, uh, and thinking of what kind of intentionality I want to have throughout my day. So if I'm sitting down with myself after Fajr, for example, I want to make sure that I'm starting out the day with Allah in mind. And so if anything is driving me crazy, it's not Allah, so I don't really need to burn myself out of this level. This work will be here. Like we always feel like the work will not get done without us. The work, the work will get done with or without you. Remember that. But you are the main jewel. For me, the way I think of it is this body that is encompassing this spirit and this intellect and this mind. It's too precious for me not to make sure that I'm not looking after it. Because Allah will ask me about this. And so when you change that mindset and how you're approaching this amana that you're given, you tend to be more easy with yourself. You tend to be more gentle with yourself. The language that I'm using toward myself, right? Allah is hearing this language. And so for me, it's like more than any... Because sometimes it's hard to kind of do something for yourself. For me, I found it easier when I think about Allah within that moment, I think to myself... Pastor, Allah can listen how you're treating this body that he gave you, which is a blessing. Allah is listening to how you're talking to yourself, which is the spirit of Allah, which is also a blessing. So what type of language do you want to have when you're communicating with Allah? Because he's always present. And so that mindset for me has really helped me put me in my tracks and kind of reevaluate how I want to move within my life and the kind of person that I want to be and the kind of attitude that I want to bring to the table. The attitude should never be one of depletion, should never be one of, you know, apathy. It should always be one of hope, one of love. Everything that I am is a combination of Allah's love in my life. Right. Everything that I want to achieve is Allah's love moving through me. And so when you change how you treat yourself and you change how you spend your time, you realize that you are way more than these labels that people are trying to put upon you, like married women, single women, like whatever it is that the world is trying to tell you that makes you feel more than or less than this. This is all falsehood to me, because remember, we have people like Sayyidah Maryam. Who never married? We have people like Rabia Adawiya, who never, there's so many saints within the Islamic tradition that never married. And that was not their be all and end all. And they, they're seen as the flagpole of what a woman should be within this religion. And so for me, those sisters who are not married or who are looking for a spouse, it's like, sis, you weigh more than partnership. And this partnership is a blessing if Allah gives it to you. But if Allah reserves it from you, this is the most beautiful hadith that I heard is women, the believing women who do not marry in this lifetime, marry the Prophet wasallam in the Akhirah. And so for me, low-key, I love my husband. Happy, <laughs> I love my husband. But it's just like, subhanAllah, like when Allah says, I'm reserving the best for you, trust and believe it. Because who wouldn't want to be a spouse of Rasulullah Like that to me is just like, never ever lose hope when it comes to Allah's bounty. Like if you love Allah, because Allah truly loves you to inspire you in the first place, right? And Allah, you need to really understand for us when it comes to experiencing any type of hardship in this world, it's not that Allah does not love you. It's that Allah actually loves you too much. Like the people that get tested the most, be it with your family, be it with your, even to the sisters who are married, being tested with your spouse. By the way, if your spouse is trash, leave him. 
Like, I'm not an advocate of staying with someone that is not for you, right? Life is all about experiences. Sometimes we get into relationships and we find that, you know what, the best way to learn is to experience something. So sometimes we go into relationships not knowing much about relationships and we enter into a marriage and the marriage might not be for us. And do you know what? You learn so much about yourself. You realize that you don't want to tolerate X, Y, and Z thing. Right. And so you're going to move into the next relationship being this worldly experienced woman. And who doesn't want to be a worldly experienced woman in Mauritania, for example, people prefer men prefer divorced women because they're like, this, this woman has experience. This woman does not have rose tinted glasses on when, when it comes to marriage. She's dealt with a man before. And so they would prefer a divorced woman over a, non, a non-married woman, right? An unmarried woman. I don't even know what the terminology is. So it's like, we have to be able to realize and recognize that this life that you're living, this experience that you're having, this is your particular path comparing it to what you think you should be doing or what you think should be happening, what you think you should, you know, have is only going to rob you of the joy that you could, you could be experiencing in this moment. So at any point in time that you feel that you're unhappy, ask yourself, what is really robbing me of my joy at this moment? Is it my expectations, right? Is it my sense of entitlement? Is it the narrative that's running in my head is in the narrative that I'm being told within my family, within my community, and then unpick those things apart so that you can come back to yourself. It's always about coming back to yourself. You don't want to just go through the motions without checking in. Like for me personally, I never used to be this person that used to journal. I thought journaling was a waste of time and I thought that it was for writers until a good friend of mine who's, who's a therapist said to me like, no, it's actually a way of tracking your, your emotion and your thought process. And I was like, oh, okay, interesting. I was, I never do, I never saw it from that perspective. Keeping up with that process for the last two years now, I realized that the power and the impact of seeing your thoughts on paper, because when it's a running commentary in your mind, nine times out of 10, it's, it's habitual thought anyway. And so you're not really even take time, taking time out to listen to what you're saying. But when you read it back to yourself, that's, it, it could be a shock to the system. Like, damn, sis, you really this sad today? Or like, wow, yes. this is... Yeah, these, right? And so you're thinking, wow, these thoughts are actually a bit outlandish because the problem wasn't even that deep. Sometimes it's not that deep. But journaling is a very intimate experience. I'm glad you're bringing this up. It's a very intimate experience. Absolutely. This is it's your naked thoughts at play. Right. Because I do uh, free writing journaling, which is I put a timer on like five minutes, put the timer on and I just write whatever it is I'm thinking at the time. And sometimes, first of all, I'm, I'm astonished that I'm a great writer. OK, a lot of us feel like yeah, you have to go to writing school to be sometimes I'll be like, damn, since you wrote this, it's like this is actually pretty cool. But most of the time I realize that when I'm experiencing a negative emotion, Nine times out of 10, it's completely blown out of proportion. The emotion never matches the the problem at hand or the situation at hand. It's all the fears that I'm feeling, thinking of the different scenarios that can take place. But in actuality, if I have a conversation about this topic to the person who I'm supposed to talk to or just, you know, whatever it is I need to deal with, nine times out of 10, it's not really even that bad, which for me... I'm a, like, okay, I'm a big believer of, of Satan, but I'm also a big believer of that voice becomes your mini shaitan. I don't want to have a second shaitan. The first shaitan is bad enough. Like, I don't need to have, a, a, you know, a mean hafsa in my mind. Like, we're our own worst enemies. Honestly, like, growing up, I used to tell people, you can't bully me because <laughs> I'd be bullying myself, 
way more than you know. The words in my, that's running, the running commentary in my mind is way worse than someone's name calling, for example. Really and truly, it's not cool just because the bully is me to also accept that type of bullying from yourself. So... Thank you so much, Hafza, for all of that, because honestly, there's just so many points. I was just like nodding my head and I was like, yes, that's exactly how I feel, because just like you, I'm also in my 30s. And it's interesting because, yeah, in my 20s, it was difficult. Honestly, it was difficult. I felt like I was all over the place. I didn't have the right guidance, the proper guidance. And now I feel like all of a sudden, I don't know, it felt like it was almost like an overnight thing. Like, okay, I turned 30. My society tells me when I'm 30 and unmarried that there's something wrong with me, but I woke up fine. I actually woke up amazing. I actually feel good about myself. And I'm going to now only listen to myself. Obviously, I have a circle of friends and family and loved ones that really look out for me. But at the same time, there's a lot of things that I used to internalize so much. I used to care so much about what people think. You know, I felt like my journey always had to equate to what somebody else's journey was. If she's married, I need to be married. If she's this age and has this, no, this is my journey. And subhanAllah, I didn't even mention us even bringing up faith at all. But what I love about these conversations, somehow, someway, every guest, just as incredible as you, always brings it back to faith. And I absolutely love that because, mashallah, I feel like the root of everything is our faith from our solutions to just like how we move forward to our healing journey to everything. You mentioned the measuring stick. And I was like, wow, like my jaw dropped. I was like, that's so profound because if you feel like you're looking at yourself from a low point, the person you're with is also going to be a reflection of that because you're dating from that mindset. It's not always the case, but if you're in that low point, if you're in that rut, if you have this emotion of despair, your partner is also going to reflect that in a way. So that's why it's like super important for you to feel whole on yourself and feel comfortable. There's something that I read that when you're single, stay single until you're comfortable with being single. How many of us were comfortable in our 20s with being single? It felt like it was kind of scary. Like, why am I still single? Am I ever going to end up with anyone? And that's the thing that that's a that's the scarcity mindset. That's not the mindset of somebody who has that abundance mindset or the mind, mindset of abundance. When you're thinking of all these things and these scenarios that have even happened yet. So for me, I feel like whoever your partner is, they're a reflection of you at what point you're in. But I do think that all the points that you brought up was important. Journaling, I think, is super important. I, I think it, as scary as it is to sit with your thoughts, you have to do that. Because like you said, we don't want to take verbal abuse from anyone. So why are you taking it from your own self? Sometimes you have to see things on on paper. You have to write things down to really truly assess them and, and what you're going through. Something that I came across, which kind of like triggered me a bit, was a guy, and I forgot, it was in a clubhouse room, so I don't know who it is and I wouldn't even say his name anyway, but he said something along the lines of, I don't like this whole idea of self-love, self-care that these women are doing because he's like, they're becoming so independent that they are choosing not to get married. And I was like, where, what, what study did you do? Like, what, please show me the statistics. That's what's scary. The society doesn't want to empower women because if you empower women, they do become independent. They do allow themselves to make their own choices and they do start having autonomy over their own choices and their body. You choosing yourself and someone choosing you is not mutually exclusive. Someone can still choose you, want to be with you because of the fact that you're so independent because you choose to choose yourself over and over again. But I do want to go back to that point of a woman feeling too independent and too confident for a guy and I, I wish I could shake her and say then that's not the right guy for you I feel like anytime you you know have some standards and have boundaries for yourself right because really when it comes to this he's talking about dating boundaries right where you're not accepting just any applicants people always have an issue with that but that's their problem that shouldn't be our problem I cannot internalize 
the insecurities and the lacking that men are experiencing at this moment, that's their problem to deal with. I can, you know, I have my own issues. So if dudes on Clubhouse at the moment are being, you know, they feel threatened by empowered women, it means that there are actually change that's happening within us, which is fantastic. That globally, women, wherever you are in the world, the message is to increase what it is that you want out of life, to increase your standards, regardless of, you know, whatever your upbringing may be, to not settle for just being in a relationship. Because being in a relationship for the sake of being in a relationship is not a relationship because a relationship is as good as the two people who are in the relationship, right? So if you have two people who are insecure and who feel unworthy and, you know, that will turn into becoming a toxic situation, right? Then you're in a toxic situation. Whereas if you reserve yourself, for what honors you and someone that you can honor in return. We need to be okay with being in the cave. Professor Lyson was in the cave for three years, right? He didn't know when the revelation was going to come, but he knew that he had to remove himself from the society that he couldn't bear to be a part of at that point in his life. There come a point in his life where he's like, you know what? I've seen what I need to see to know that this is not for me. So I'm going to head for the hills. So if you're in the head for the hills stage of your life, rest assured that that's only going to be a phase. What's for me will always be for me. There's no way that my other will not come and find me. So if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm looking after myself. I'm educating myself and I'm doing what I, what I love. I'm experiencing there's so many branches of love that have nothing to do with romantic love. Like romantic love is like only one out of a thousand other ways of experiencing love and experiencing joy. So if you think of, you know what, I'm actually loved and I am loving and love surrounds me always. You won't feel that constant lacking in your heart to have that desire. Yes, I understand what it's like to be single and have that desirable companionship, right? But give it, give it up to Allah and let it go. Make, make that dua, write in your journal, try to internalize the kind of man that you want, right? So that when you meet the imposters, because there's many imposters in the DMs and in real life, right? And in the message, when you meet them, you're going to be like, no, actually, this is not the person that I'm praying for. Through dating, obviously, you're going to be like, after you inquire after this person, you realize that, you know what? No, I, I seek, I'm seeking higher grounds at the end of the day. Because if, if Allah was to say to us today, do you want literally the first ladder of paradise or do you want surdos? Like when I, when I pray for Jannah, I'm praying for Jannah's surdos. And surdos for me, first and foremost, is creating my own surdos in this lifetime how I treat people, how I experience life, like the love that I want to give and the love that I want to receive. Because everything that is to come is only really, truly a reflection of everything that I have now. So if I am not grateful with what I have now, right, I won't find happiness and gratitude with what might come later on. I've met sisters who will have a nice guy in their life, but because they're doing the comparison game, they're looking at the internet or IG or whatever, they're not appreciating the person that's in front of them, right? And when you ask them, like, are you taking time out to appreciate the person that you're with? Like, are you really getting to know that person? Because sometimes we need to destroy the idols within our own hearts. What is this that you're constructing? Is it really loving? Is it really holistic? Or is it just this image that you're trying to create for this life that you're trying to live? Really, for me, I just say, like, Again, just take time out with yourself because as a married woman right now, I have to, when I, when I want to do something, I no longer have the freedom of just getting up and getting up to do it. Like I have to consult with my husband. And let me tell you something. I got married at the age of 32. So that was really hard for me to learn and really hard for me to do. Right. I was used to the first 32 years of my life. Actually, let's just say 18 upwards. Cause when I was 18, I was under my parents' care. Yeah. <laughs> so I had about 14 years to myself where I was just doing whatever it is that I wanted to do. And then here comes along my husband and it's just like little things like, cause I'm used to having my girlfriend weekends. We're going to go to Europe, you know, it's a girlfriend weekend. 
And now I have to call my husband and be like, hey, listen, by the way, um, I'm going to, I want to book a trip with my friends. And at first I find it super jarring, but it's a transition of being, you know, moving from singledom to marriage. And so look at all the things that you, you're doing right now and you're able to do right now without consulting anybody else and enjoy those freedoms because with marriage comes compromise, with parenthood comes like a shift and a change. And even if you, you know, don't have children, partnership is actually responsibility it's not like it's great because, you know, you get to experience the joys of companionship. But at the same time, it's responsibility. Like for me, real womanhood is responsibility. Real manhood is responsibility. And so take that time out to enjoy whatever it is that you're doing. Like even now, I have to make room and time and space for my husband. I'm not just living my life and then he's just somewhere there in the background. It's like, no, I have to incorporate this person into my life. So enjoy the joys that singledom brings with it. That's so well said, Hafsa, because it reminds me of my personal journey. Like when I got my divorce and I came back to my parents' house, I really started to just like be grateful for this second chance, I guess, at being single again, enjoying myself, enjoying my loved ones, because I rushed into that marriage. That part of my life was such a blur because I didn't enjoy my life. I didn't enjoy that identity of being single before getting married. It was like my whole mindset was like, oh no, I have to get married. I This is my whole purpose of life. My whole purpose is to be in a relationship. Like, look, literally God did not just create you to just, you know, be married. That's not, that's not why God created us. There's just so much more to us. Marriage is beautiful. Don't get me wrong. I think it's so beautiful. And I love that you're speaking from that perspective. But I also like that you also brought up just like the identity of being single. If you are single right now, enjoy it as much as you can. No, I just wanted to say also, like maybe it's an opportunity for you to work on yourself, exactly. right? Because like you were saying, so many of us enter marriage, not knowing who we are. And so we accept anything from anybody. And so if God is giving you time out to get to know yourself, to better yourself, to improve yourself, right? So that your self-esteem is increased in the process, right? Your self-worth, your self-image, your self-respect, even your self-care routines. Take that opportunity because trust me, anyone entering your life is a distraction of some, some sort or some kind. And so don't rush to distraction. Don't rush to always have somebody by your side. If you're not comfortable being by yourself, you will not be comfortable living with somebody else. Trust me. Learn to be okay to be by yourself because being by yourself doesn't mean that you're lonely. It means that you're alone. So create a life outside of whatever companion type of, you know, communion that you're seeking at this point in life, right? Exactly. And I want the women that are listening, I don't want them to go about marriage the way I went about it from that scarcity mindset or from that societal pressure. I want women to be so comfortable in being single and being who they are and enjoying the identity that they're in right now or the phase of life that they're in right now. I want them to be able to do that so then they can manifest the right guy because settling is the worst thing that you could ever do for yourself. Settling and being with the wrong person is not the best thing that you could ever do for your life. And and you don't want to get into a divorce and that process is just the worst process possible. But I do want to talk about how do we manifest meeting the right person versus chasing the quote unquote right guy? Because it's like, it's it's hard, honestly, trying to navigate this matchmaking journey or whatever it is, it is difficult. And I think there's also this push and pull with the way our parents expect us to meet the one versus how now we're going about meeting the one. Now we have social media apps, we have dating apps, we are more connected. It's different than how our parents are going about it. So it's like, how do we respectfully go about this halal dating journey on our own, manifesting the right guy and not settling for him while also, you know, at the same time, not disrespecting 
respecting our parents and I guess their traditional ways. And and it's okay if you're not going to go about it the way that they want you to go about it, as long as everything is done in good taste and halal and obviously always having Allah in your heart because it's it's super important to navigate this dunya being detached from everything and attached only to Allah. Because if your relationship with Allah is weak, every other relationship outside of that is going to be weak, as, including the relationship that you also have uh, with yourself. I do want to also emphasize that society is very restricting when it comes to women and how they navigate their lives and how they go about making their own choices and even also like the whole halal dating scene. There's just so much stigma and so much of a huge chance of a woman ruining her, ruining her reputation if she's trying to get to know different guys and trying to understand like which one is the right fit for me. A guy can do that without any repercussions, but if a woman were to do that, it's the end all be all, which is unfortunate. Well, the good thing is, it's like a lot of us can break away from whatever traditional bonds that we have is remember that, you know, we're lucky. We're lucky in a way that we're living in non-Muslim countries because we don't have that cultural bondage. I always feel like it's 10 times harder for our sisters who are living in whatever homelands that we come from. So first and foremost, alhamdulillah, for the blessing that is living in the West, as much as people like to talk down on it, is actually a blessing for us in, in so many in so many ways. Alhamdulillah. Number one, I would say that for me, I tell people, especially Muslims, if you want your parents to respect you, you have to show up as an adult. I cannot continue to appease my parents as their child, right? Because they will always try to, you know, as Muslims, like we have this terrible dichotomy, right? Where that, you know, children are always, doesn't matter how old you are, right? Your parents try to always downplay your adulthood. So you have to completely, if you want to be treated like an adult, show up as an adult. People will not like you when you show up as an adult at times, right? Because have, being an adult means that you have to make uncomfortable decisions for yourself sometimes. And people, they really shy away from conflict. And for me personally, I say conflict, if, it, if you're working towards a resolution, a healthy resolution, right? Sometimes it means disagreeing with people. If I want my parents to respect me and as an adult, I have to show up as an adult. I cannot be their 15-year-old child when I'm at home and try to navigate as a 30-odd-year-old woman, right, at work. Like these two things will not work in my favor. And so also introducing these ideas to your parents gradually, right? Like, hey, mom and dad, I'm open to dating. Like I want to start seeing different people and also explaining how this the internet works. A lot of them are completely clueless, right? They might be on Facebook or whatever, but they're in their tiny little bubble and they don't know what DMs mean. DMs are not about politics, right? They don't know. So we have to explain these things and introduce these concepts to them. And also what type of relationship do you have with your parents? A lot of us don't take time out to build a relationship with our parents. We want them to be loving, accepting, kind, and, and sweet towards us. But are we taking our parents out on brunch? Am I having movie nights with my dad? Do I have conversations with my dad that don't involve my work or the latest academic achievement that I'm trying to do? What type of relationship do you have with your parents? And I understand that it's not, you know, it's not always easy to have that because some people have a very difficult relationship with their parents. But for those of us who don't have a difficult relationship with our parents, how much do you incorporate your parents into your life? Are you just doing things run of the mill or do you genuinely care about these two people? So I'm going to give you my own personal example. In the Somali community, dating is normal back home because everyone is caught, everyone knows everybody. And so when two people are courting, right, everybody knows who they are. And when you're out and about in public, somebody knows you. So it's very hard for them to get up to some type of nonsense. So it was kind of like a healthy way of just having a boyfriend or a girlfriend and get, you know, they would come to each other's home. Like you cannot date somebody without making sure that they come to your house first and they meet your parents or whatever. Right. And so they would know who was betrothed within the community and who was intended for each other within the community coming to the UK now there's a concept of boyfriend and girlfriend and all these different things and so dating was never 
something that I thought I could do as a Muslim living in the West. But growing up in the order that I got and I realized everyone is dating anyway. So what I have to do if I'm going to make sure that I am going to have a halal relationship is I have to change my intentionality and what the purpose of my dating will be. And so when I'm dating, I'm dating to get married. Like I'm not dating to date frivolously and just, you know, let me just see where it goes. And a lot of Muslims do do that. They'll get into a relationship and they will be, we'll have the same problems like anybody else. We would feel shy to give people you know, or to tell people what our intentions are. Like, we're, you know, oh, I like him, he likes me, we're just going to start talking and then we'll see Bismillah khair if something good happens. It's like, no, sis, if you're looking to get married, honor yourself and honor your intentions and be clear, because guess what? That will be your filter. If you tell people, listen, yeah, I am open to dating, but I'm dating to get married, all the nonsense individuals will be filtered out slowly. So... I met my husband through my community and we told our parents straight away. Like we told them we're dating each other, like, cause we, you know, we, we both want to get married, but we want to see how this relationship plays out. And for me, the hadith about, you know, like two people are alone. Cause I don't believe in a chaperone. It's going to be weird. Like me personally, I cannot have my uncle or some next random person sitting in the corner where I'm trying to get to know this person. It's uncomfortable. And if I can have a conversation with my male coworker at work, what's the difference if I'm trying to get to know somebody? If I'm going to be going to dinner that's in a public space, theater, public space, whatever I'm doing, so long as I'm not cooped up in a room and it's just me and him so that we have the room and the space to do these things. And also work on your willpower. If you feel like you're going to kiss somebody on a date, if you feel like you cannot control yourself, maybe dating in that sense is not for you, right? Maybe you do need someone to come to your mom and dad's house so, you know, everybody else will be in the next room and you guys can have your little conversation. So you are the judge of your own character. But if you have willpower and, you know, you can go about your business and talk to this person and have your dinner and have these conversation and, you know, feel like you wouldn't be overstepping the bounds, right? Then bismillah. Because we there is no blanket statement that is for everybody at the end of the day, right? We're all different and we're all on different journeys when it comes to our Islam. Be the judge of your own character and keep your parents informed and for me personally if it doesn't work out then yeah mom and dad I was speaking to him for two months it didn't work out my, I've done that with my dad before with a few of my exes were like yeah dad's not working out he forgot, he's like okay how about bismillah if it's, if it, he's like you're the one that brought him to my house in the first place so if it's not working for you then khair, you know but I really loved making sure that my parents were a part of the process from day one because I felt protected and they were also they felt included and they loved feeling included they were like oh my goodness my, my child is doing these things and I'm getting to meet these different people my, my dad at one point was like girl pick a man <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful when you have a healthy relationship with your parents like that right. honestly and and you know what to be honest we discount our parents like if you have a healthy relationship with your mom and dad you, they want your best interest at heart and they're really getting to know you like a lot of them feel isolated a lot of them feel like they they feel disconnected from their children. And spending time with your parents is building rahmah. And if you do have disagreement with your parents, every single time I would disagree with my parents, I would just make dua in my sujood. Because I'm like, if Allah is the changer of hearts, Allah is the only person that can change their hearts towards a particular thing. You feeling like you have to shut people out and oh, they don't understand me and stomp your feet. It's just like that's, that's, that to me is just childish behavior, right? Mature adults try to find a solution towards their problems. And honestly, I like to have a good opinion of my parents. Even if I, if we're disagreeing or we might need 
we might be mad. I have to tell myself that these are two people that will probably lay down their life for me. And not a lot of people will do that for you. Not your best friend. You have to, you have to like have that reassurance that, you know what, even if we have a misunderstanding, these two people genuinely love me. And so I'm going to give them some time to get used to the idea. Cause I also don't believe in rushing something. Rushing comes from the devil. And sometimes if Allah is blocking something for you, he knows why he's doing it. You might not understand, but give yourself that time and give your parents that time. I'm actually somebody who exhibited that childish behavior at one point in my life. I was, again, like, what, 18, 19, early 20s, and I didn't know how to communicate with my parents. And I don't want to 100% blame myself or look down on myself, but it is something that I wish, I wish. Yeah, it is okay. Because you were a child, like 18, 19, that's okay. I'm talking about, you know, like you in your late 20s, early 30s. It's like, no, you need to reevaluate your, your behavior. But if you're doing something in your late teens, you because we do infantilize young adults, right, in, in, in the West, then we don't really fully mature until we get to our 30s. Like some of us earlier than others, but really if you look at character and transformation taking place, it's usually 25 plus. So also you need to learn to just forgive yourself the things that you did when you were much younger. So, yeah. Exactly. And that's why I'm saying I, I, I finally reached a point where I had to forgive myself. Like, I wasn't proud of how I communicate with my parents or how I spoke to them in those times. But those were rough times, have to because I was the oldest. And it was an awkward time because, like, all my cousins were much older than me. And then I had cousins that were much younger than me. So I was almost like I had to follow in my older cousins' footsteps. And what did they do? It was all arranged marriages. So it's like my parents thought that, like, okay, then the same for her cousins. She should also go through that as well. And that was such a difficult time for me because it was not... I was so uncomfortable, absolutely, completely uncomfortable. My parents didn't put me in harm's way or anything like that. So I, I definitely want to put that disclaimer out there. But it was just the idea of sitting with somebody that I knew at first glance I would not be interested in, but having to still go through that, having to tell my parents, I don't care if he's a doctor, he comes from a good family, whatever it is, I just didn't click with him. Like it was so frustrating, but I think it is important that we have this open communication with our parents. Now it's a completely different setting with my parents. Like we definitely understand each other. I think times have honestly also changed. My parents are more open to the idea of like our daughters are going to meet people on their own now. We don't have to bring in a good guy and hope for the best and all that and all that good stuff. But I think you said this before in a room, Hafsan, it, it was just, it struck me. I was like, wow, this is so true. Oftentimes we women do not navigate the dating scene as if we're the prize. We navigate it as if like the whole pick me vibe, like, please pick me. Like I, I have all these credentials, look at my resume and all that. We don't navigate the dating scene as if like, no, you should be lucky to even be talking to me. Like the whole idea of the interview process, it's almost like we're the ones being interviewed rather than us actually interviewing the guy and seeing he's good enough for us. And some of these guys sometimes come into these settings with like such ego entitlements and thinking that like, well, you need us more than we need you guys. Because there is this idea that like, yeah, once a woman reaches a certain age, you know, there was a clubhouse room today. It was called I'm single and 30. Does that mean that I'm not dateable anymore? Like who thinks of stuff like that? Who thinks of these like clickbait title rooms for these clubhouse chat rooms I think that's like such a negative thing to kind of like ingest or digest when when you're on these apps but I I really wanted to also now talk about after you've manifested the right guy and inshallah you've met him how do we go about just making sure that this is the right relationship for us like you're in the talking stage you're in the courtship stage like what are some things that you look for have so what are some standards that you have that you think other women should have when they are trying to find the right one and if they are with somebody that to be able to tell that he is the right one well, every relationship is going to be different. So you have to ask the questions that are right for you. 
right? In terms of the type of lifestyle you want for yourself and the kind of person you are and, you know, looking at your own value system, what is that, what is it that you value within a partner? And it's, you know what, it changes across the board. There's a spectrum when it comes to this. So you don't have to have the same standards or the same things, you know, be interested in the same things as, as the next, next girl, right? So I would ask questions that are personable to me, first and foremost. Second thing would be always look for character, Always, always look for character because character is what will be the bedrock of any relationship that you're trying to establish with somebody. If someone has sound character, but what, what I mean by that is they're not deceitful, they're transparent, they're open, they're easy to get to know, right? All these different things, these are way more important than someone's job someone's pay grade and someone's family. Because sometimes you have a good person who doesn't come from a fully stable family, for example, right? So for me, it's like, do I feel safe around this person? Do I feel protected around this person? Do I feel seen around this person? Do I feel heard around this person? Because this is the person I'm going to spend the majority of my time with. And I'm going to be in the same bed as this person. Like, I'm not, you know, like, let's get down to the nitty gritty. I'm not sharing a bed with someone that I do not like. Right. I do not care what type of image that we have going on. We could be the it couple. We could be, you know, Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt during their heyday. I do not care. I will be with you behind closed doors. You're going to be laying your head next to mine. Do I like you as a human being, first and foremost? And then I would look into their personality, right? Like, you know, what is it about their personality that you find particularly charming or whatever? Because guess what? A lot of people sleep on people that are not extroverted off the bat. Some people it's like an unveiling that takes place with them, right? They take, it takes time for them to get comfortable, especially if you're in a private setting, if you're dating, right? Some people take them a while to come out of their shell, for example, right? So also having patience during dating. Right now we live in a world that is very like quick and on the go and you know, like you want everybody to just be like, everything to be like boom, boom, boom. And it's just like, no, actually you're actually talking to another human being that has their own life experiences and their own ups and downs and shortcomings. It's like, be patient. The way you would like someone to be patient with you, be patient with people. And if you like what you see, then, you know, take those next steps to be a little bit more progressive. But for me, honesty, transparency, feeling safe, feeling protected. And when I mean protected, I mean this person, if you have a disagreement with, with, their, with their parents, for example, they're going to handle it. Like for women, one thing that we all hate across the board is our mama's boys. For some reason, Muslim men are closer to their mothers and they are their fathers. You need a man who's going to stand up for you regardless of who it is. And someone who is fair. When you're in the wrong, they can tell you about yourself. But when it's something else that is causing you pain and causing you affliction, they know to put a stop to that, right? The Prophet was he was able to stand up to all types of people. So again, just, you know, focus on that character. And someone, me personally, what I look for is people who have a drive. And drive doesn't mean you're working 24-7. It means that you are a person who is passionate about the life that they're living and you want to make something. You have a type of purpose. I mean, you could be with someone who's aimless, right? It's really, again, like preferences are different across the board. Some people, they just want to, you know, Netflix and chill. That's their perfect relationship. But at the end of the day, as a woman, if you're feeling loved, if you're feeling safe, if you're feeling uh, protected, these should be like the bedrocks of any relationship, inshallah. 
I, I think that was very helpful because honestly, it is almost kind of like a case by case, but at least those values, I think those values are important for the foundation of a relationship. You don't want a guy that's deceitful because he's going to lie to you too. If you see him the way he's navigating his friends and family, I think also that's really important just to see how he interacts with his outside circle, but also with strangers and, and people and, and whatnot, because to you, he might just be really kind to you. He might show you the perfect version of himself. So I think it's also really important in the courting stage for us to kind of allow our families to mix. I, I didn't know that the Somali community does that because my community doesn't. And I wish it was more, I don't want to speak on behalf of my entire community, but at least my personal village and like the people that I know. Yeah, that's like, we don't do that. We don't like mix with one another until actually like the Ketabiktab and all that stuff. Or like, you know, it's, it's, that's kind of difficult. Like I would like to see how he interacts with his family. Something that I wanted to talk about is before we end up talking about sexual compatibility, but the idea of like, when do you bring up your intentions and your deal breakers when you meet somebody? Because sometimes some guys can get scared away at the first time that you bring it up if it's the first date. But what if that's that's the right time to bring it up? You set your intentions and your deal breakers from the start because you don't want to waste your time, nor do you want to waste his time. But there are some guys that get a little shifty and a little shady when you start bringing up your deal breakers and your intentions. They start to kind of like disappear on you or they kind of like throw you just a a text here and there just to keep you around for their own pleasure and nothing more. And then they're almost kind of wasting your time and now you're you're kind of stuck with them, but you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if you're going to move forward with them or not. So there's a lot of times where when serious conversations are brought up, the guy might get a little, you know, they, they just might disappear on you a little bit and then come back and then disappear. That's not okay. I want every woman to know that that's not a healthy relationship whatsoever. And when you do bring up these serious conversations, he should also approach it in a serious manner. But when do you think is the proper time to do it? And how do we go about it? The earlier, the better. It's all about your intentions as well. At the end of the day, there's lots of women who just want to date, just experience what dating is like. So it's all about honoring your own intentions first and foremost. Like, obviously for me, you know, I'm a bit slick with it. So flirtation and just getting to know someone, just that, you know, like cute exchange at the beginning is fine. But if we're now moving on to the, you know, stage of we're dating each other and we're seeing each other, the earlier, the better. Because you don't want to be 10, 20 dates down the line, like a few months down the line, and the guy turns around and says, yeah, you know what, actually, I enjoy your company but I'm not looking for anything more you want to safeguard your heart as much as possible trust me that initial rejection if he's going to reject you in that sense is way better than stringing your own self along months down the line okay and then having your heart broken then is you know like I you know what rejection to me is just a part of life as women we also have to accept that rejection is part of life because we think that it's something that is only reserved for men right and that only men should feel strong as women we should break I always brace myself I never go into something feeling completely like it's going to go my way I'm just like you know what like I'm experiencing this but I'm not going to put too much you know eggs into this one basket if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out and so the earlier the better for me I always say to myself it's not you that is breaking my heart it's me that is breaking my heart because if we know better, I know we don't always do better, but if we know better, we should try always our best to, to do better. You're only saving yourself at the end of the day. So if you saw yourself drowning, would you wait 10 minutes, you know, for the waves to keep hitting you before you rescued yourself or you're suffering from lung damage? Or would you just, you know, you know, you'd go up and down a couple of times, your nose might be singing or whatever, but you know, you got yourself out of the water. So that's how I see it. So how do we navigate the guys that are not giving us that that rejection right away and they're being mature about it and telling us 
right from that point that, hey, this is not what I'm looking for. I respect that that's what you're looking for, but that's not where I'm at in my life. There are guys that don't know how to communicate that and they just keep her around and yeah, unfortunately waste her time. But we need to take the accountability as women to know when to leave those situations and not think that, oh, have hopes that he's going to change. I personally have steps that I take if I'm dating somebody. Like I said, you're going to get, you're going to, get to know my dad. <laughs> if we're going to be serious, you're going to get to know my dad. So if you're not talking to my dad at a particular stage of our talking stages, then I'm going to have to end my communication. There's always ways, like there is no aimless way of dating. Like if you're very, very intentional, if you know what you want, then there are steps that you can take to make sure that I'm going to make sure that you're serious because if I'm not serious with my time, I can't expect you to be serious with your time. So again, like whatever dating experience that you want to have, whatever point in your dating situation that you want to introduce people to your parents, like let's just say it's two months, three months. Okay. After three months, if he's not speaking to my father, I'm going to end it. You have to take yourself seriously as well. Exactly. I think that's why we have so much expectations from others. But what are expectations that you have set for yourself before entering a relationship or before actually like being in the courting or dating stage? What are some things that prerequisites that you've set for yourself to know when you should walk away? Because honestly, you can't always assume that you're going to change somebody. If somebody's not on the same journey as you, it's okay. Rejection is okay. Honestly, I've learned that as well. Um, It's just important to always prioritize yourself and not wait around until somebody changes. Your life cannot be wasted like that. I do want to move on to the last topic of conversation, which is the hot topic, I guess, but sexual compatibility. That is sometimes difficult to tell because we are Muslim. We obviously do it the halal way. What are some ways that you could tell that you are compatible with this person that when it comes to even just having chemistry with this person, like when did you feel like you had chemistry right away with with your husband, Hafsa, if you don't mind me asking? I feel like this word chemistry gets thrown around quite a bit. And chemistry to me is something that you have to build and work on. If you're able to talk to somebody and you feel comfortable around them and you feel like you're getting to know that person, understand that having that instant chemistry is not the be all and end all of a healthy relationship. I'm just going to put it out there. Me and my husband, we didn't have a lot of chemistry starting off. We were friends and we were speaking as friends, right? But that wild infatuation that you have for somebody, guess what? That is not what is going to make a marriage last. For me, what I, like I said before, what I was interested in was this person's character. Do I feel safe with this person? Do I feel like this person can guard my secrets and hold my back and speak up for me when I'm not in the room? And that is what I was seeing through my husband. And for me, I would much rather have that and build on my relationship and build on my chemistry, right? Because for me, I'm a very soulful person. I'm a touchy-feely person. Because we were saving ourselves literally for our wedding day, right? I couldn't really experience all of those different things. But because I did that, I was able to really experience passion within my relationship because we both we, we knew that we loved each other, right? And we had love for each other. So if you're looking for chemistry, the springboard should always be love and respect, right? Because first of all, if I think you're cute, which I think my husband is cute, right? If I'm already <laughs> physically attracted to you, that's the first component of sexual attraction. So I already knew that we weren't going to have too many problems, inshallah, because I already like the way you look and the way you sound and all of this stuff, right? I am a very outgoing, boisterous person and my husband is a little bit more laid back. And so for me, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a gamble. Because relationships are, you're taking a gamble. So for me, I was like, I'm going to get take a gamble on the whole uh, chemistry thing because I'm liking everything that I'm seeing so far. And so, you know, I'll bring my spice and I'm pretty sure he's going to bring his A game and we'll see and bismillah. And so when you 
follow the path that Allah has set for you. You're making sure that Allah is going to take care of you. And so it's having that faith. If you do have a lot of chemistry at the beginning, alhamdulillah, that's also great. But guess what? There's going to be times in your relationship where you're not going to have chemistry. Where you're going to be annoyed at that person. What then? What's going to hold you down? Is it going to be your infatuation? No. And so, okay, so the other thing you were asking about was sexual compatibility. I'm not a prude. And I am a person who believes that making love is ibadah, right? Prophet said, making love is ibadah. And I want to enjoy everything that is to be had. If I'm saving myself, right, and I'm trying to do it the right way, and I'm trying to stick to this particular path, I want to enjoy myself when I get married. And so I was very frank with the questions that I was asking, because guess what? Having shyness with someone is not the same as asking them questions that are going to affect your life. And so me asking my husband things like, hey, listen, I'm into these, like, you know, in my mind, because obviously I'm not doing them. I was like, in my mind, I feel like I would enjoy X, Y, and Z. What, what do you think about these things? He's like, oh, yeah, sure. Bismillah. Like these kind of, because remember, everything between your husband and yourself is halal at the end of the day. Prudish behavior is not a part of this religion. In fact, in the early 1500s, they thought that Muslims were pagans in a way because we talked about sex so explicitly. When it came to, like, even in the books of Imam Shafi'i, right, in the fifth books, we're talking about uh, oral sex sex being given to women, right, so that they enjoy themselves in the bedroom because penetrative sex, right, is mostly for men. 80% of women do not, you know, gain or have an orgasm through penetrative sex. So all these different details are very important. Imagine you you end up with someone and they don't want to do certain things which you might enjoy or might be enjoyable for you and you wait until your wedding night to figure these things out. You're going to be a little bit disappointed. No, you're going to be very disappointed, right? So for me, sexual compatibility is a big part of any healthy relationship. So don't be shy. When you're dating this person, be explicit. Like, hey, listen, I'm a bit of a freak. I might be into all these different things. <laughs> you uh, maybe you're a divorced woman and you're going to be like, listen, I enjoy X, Y, and Z. Like, are you able to provide this? Are you going to be okay with this, right? I might enjoy, you know, like uh, play acting or whatever it might be. So long as you're not doing a, the, the one or two haram things, everything else is halal, right? There's only a couple of things that are haram. Outside of that, you want someone who's going to enjoy you and that you can enjoy so don't be shy and don't be prudish. Prudishness is actually a Christian thing. <laughs> it's not a it's not a Muslim thing. And so if our culture is prudish, it doesn't mean that Islam is. It doesn't mean that you have to be. We're women. We're also human beings. We're also sexual beings. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I love the work of uh, Sister Angelica Lindsay. Yes, um, village auntie. The, the village auntie and all the work that she's doing to demystify sexuality within the Islamic context. Check her out on IG, inshallah. And so we're going to reclaim, our, as Muslim women, we should reclaim our sexuality and our sensuality. Getting in touch with your body and loving on yourself and taking away these insecurities as much as you can. Like, as a woman, you should be able to look, up, look at your naked self and say to yourself, wow, you know what? I'm actually the bomb. Or even dress up for yourself. Like, I'd rather dress up for me before I dress up for any other man. You're just, you're just a, a happy participant on the self-love campaign that is Hafsa Hassan. And so taking that time out with yourself to be sensual with yourself, to create this aura of sensuality around you before you're even married, right, is a big part of feeling comfortable once you're married. If you can't stand to look at yourself when you're naked, 
if you're shy with yourself when you're naked and all these different things, if you find yourself ugly when you're naked, you're not going to be very comfortable being with someone, right? Especially if it's going to be for the first time. But if you're okay with yourself and you say to yourself, like in coaching, we have like the thought ladder technique, right? So you have this ladder. At the bottom is a negative thought that you have. At the top is the positive thought that you're trying to get to. And in the middle is like a neutral thought. And I have like a bit of a belly as most women do, right? And so I used to hate on my pooch growing up. I was like, oh, this pooch, why can I not have a flat belly? Yada, yada, yada. And then, so I was using this technique on myself and I was like, the bottom rank, it was like, oh, this belly is so ugly. This belly is so hideous. In the middle, it was like, this is just a human belly. And at the top, it's like, my belly is so beautiful. My belly is a blessing from Allah. My, my belly is, is, is unique, right? And so slowly building up that confidence to see yourself in a light. That, like, I wanted to see myself the way my loved ones would see me or the way my husband would see me, right? There's so many times where I don't feel, you know, like I'm looking like my best. And he's like, what are you talking about? And so if I look at myself and I'm just like, you know what? I'm cute. Yeah. I'm actually cute. And I'm actually like worth loving. And, th- and these roles, plenty of people have roles and plenty of women, like majority of people have roles and majority of people have stretch marks and they, they're still having sex and they're still desirable and desired. Right. And now we're having these inclusivity campaigns within underwear campaigns and stuff. And we're seeing more women that look like everyday women wearing these things and they're owning, uh, they're reclaiming their bodies and they're owning their time and they're owning their space. And so Having these conversations early on is very, very important because even if you're not 100 percent there yet, you want to be having these conversations so that the person that you end up with is able to grow with you in that sense. And for me personally, sexual compatibility, you will be compatible as long as A, you find that person attractive and B, you're both working at it. Because guess what? You're not going to have great sex off the bat. Like, if, especially as us Muslim women, if we're trying to save ourselves for our husband, your sex at the beginning is going to be a little bit rubbish. It's going to take You're just being time. honest. Honestly, honestly, like if all these, you know, like movies that I've watched, like have ruined, hasn't ruined my sex life, but like I realized, wow, like I was really set up for failure because real sex is not look like this. Real sex is not, you know, like he enters you and then your orgasm is like, no, it's actually him figuring out your body, you figuring out his body and figuring out together what is pleasurable for the both of you. And that takes time and that takes learning. So if you start off your journey and you feel like, oh my goodness, like my entire life, I thought sex was going to be great and now it's rubbish. No one's great at something the first time they do it. It takes time to be good at something. So so long as you're in a healthy, loving relationship and you're looking to explore with one another, it will get better, inshallah. So long as that person is someone who's also also holding space for you and making sure that it's not all about them you know like your happiness is very very important and you also have to honor yourself and honor what you're into and honor what you're about and sex is a big part of that inshallah we would say women don't need to have terrible sex you brought up so many great points, Hafza, and majority, if not all of your points were really in sync with the episode that I just released earlier in the month with Naha. And it was all about just like, yeah, sexual compatibility, but also sexual desires and the rights of women in the bedroom. We were set up for failure. There was a lot, even from just the society perspective of not us even having these healthy conversations about our bodies and what to expect when you do get married and everything. And then when it comes to sexual attraction, like it's important, like you said, to have that foundation. What else is attractive about him? Let's go beyond that 
physicality? What else is attractive? Are you attracted to his mind? Are you attracted to his characteristics? How he is, how he acts, what his values are. Do you guys have deep and thought-provoking conversations? I think that's really, really important. That's the stuff that's almost like taking the steps towards that physical attraction. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes when you see somebody right away, you're physically attracted. But what I'm getting at is that physical attraction is going to die out if there's nothing else that's like recharging it type of thing. Like I feel like our intellectual conversations are what recharges that physical attraction. Without it, that physical attraction is going to fade. Somebody can be so good looking and so uh, attractive for so long and then you kind of get over it if you if there's nothing else that stimulates you, um, especially when it comes to s- the stimulation of your mind. But I honestly can't thank you enough. Um, this conversation, I absolutely loved it. And you're just somebody, like I said, I, I really honor your presence in every room I walk into and, and you're speaking and mashallah, like everything you say is always so profound. And I always actually write down notes when you are talking in Clubhouse. <laughs> I know Clubhouse is like more so like a fun app, but just you and even Nabila, I love her too, just as much you guys like the tag team I absolutely love you both and you guys speak from your own personal experiences so it's nice to have women it's very refreshing to hear these points from a woman's perspective but I also want to highlight the work that you do so I would love to just hold space for you now to just talk about what what it is that you do what future projects you're working on and how people can actually reach you like what social media platforms are you typically on that people can reach out to you I'm typically, first of all, thank you so much for everything that you just said. Like sometimes it's kind of like hard for us as women to accept compliments. So, but I'm learning to say thank you instead of like saying, oh no, not me. But um, <laughs> no, thank you so much for all of that. And I will sharafti. Sharaftini. Sharaftini? Is that how you say in Arabic? Girl, you're you asking have, the wrong person. I know I speak Arabic, but I don't know. You, Thanks you for putting Arabic. me on the spot, Hafsa. Thank you for putting me on the spot. <laughs> my bad, my bad, my bad. So the social, on the social networks, I'm on IG the most, like Instagram the most. You can catch me at Coach Hafsa Hassan, double S, the Hassan. I'm currently also um, the co-director of Mind, Body, Soul Wellness on IG. It's the wellness platform that was started by my partner, uh, Nabila Wasi, uh, Nebulosity on IG. I met her last year um, doing some work together and we just kind of hit it off and we started this relationship and she was telling me about her baby, Mind, Body, Soul, which is this uh, wellness campaign that she's running. We actually have a course coming up on the 19th of this month in February, inshallah, if you go onto my page, you can click the link and find out all about it. We are very interested in having a space whereby Muslims center their wellness and center their faith through their wellness. So it's all about meditation, breathing, thought work. We're combining our wellness, uh, holistic wellness coaching with our transformational coaching so that we're reclaiming our bodies, our minds, our spirits, while we work on everything else, right? Because we feel like the work is always external when the majority of it is internal and the majority of it is actually sitting down with yourself. So I'm very excited um, about the current campaign. We're calling, uh, it's called um, Meditation and Manifestation within the Islamic tradition. So we're going to go through uh, the Islamic texts that relate to meditation and manifestation and see how we can incorporate these different techniques into our lives, inshallah. And yeah, you can catch us on Twitter on Mind, Body, Soul. Facebook, Mind, Body, Soul, Wellness as well. And we might have a podcast out somewhere in the near future, inshallah. You and Nabila? Yeah. Oh, that's going to be exciting. (laughs) Thank you. We need lighthearted conversations, but also like mind, body and wellness conversations on on 
these podcast platforms. I think so many people would love that. Just it's a beautiful way to start your day. And especially because you guys are going to kind of tie our faith back to it. In regards to the course that you just brought up, I know it starts on the 19th, but I think this will be released like the week after. How often are you guys going to renew this course? Like, can people continuously enter it? Yes, it's going to be a month-long course. All the We're using the Teachable platform because we're both teachers and coaches. And so even if you miss the first date, which is going to be a Saturday the 20th, Friday the 19th, we're going to be setting the work, right? Because it's going to be a lot of work that you're going to be doing behind the scenes, inshallah. But everything will be up on the Teachable platform so that if you hear the podcast and you want to join, you're still able to join the course. It's going to last for a month. And you can catch up with the recordings and all of the, the worksheet that we will have up. And then inshallah, Inshallah, like if the people love the chorus, inshallah, we hope to repeat it once every semester. So if you miss the foundational uh, course, you can come and join the next cohort, inshallah. I think we're going to put it on again after Ramadan so that we can recharge. Ramadan tends to be very, very intense so that we can regroup and recharge, inshallah. And we have a few more activities coming up. We have a few more um, different like one day classes that we have coming up, inshallah. So if you follow me at Coach Hafsa Hassan on Gmail, inshallah, I'll keep you up to date with all the stuff. And what's your handle on Clubhouse? Do you know by chance? Because honestly, I love the rooms that you moderate. Right, right, right. It's at being Hafsa, H-A-F-S-A. I really, really want to thank you, Hafsa. And I know compliments are hard to take, but like I said, like, I'm just <laughs> so glad, like within the month that I feel like I've been on this app then and I met you, I was like, oh my God, for me, it's a privilege to be able to cross paths with such women to empower me and help me out. And even just somebody like in my age, it's still beneficial to hear the whole idea of destigmatizing being single and just owning yourself, owning your power and understanding that everything comes from within you. I think a lot of times we look for external validation, but you're, you're never going to find it. It'll never match to the internal validation that you have for yourself that you need for yourself thank you so much it's it's beautiful i i truly see you as a sister and i can't thank you Absolutely. enough and i can't wait for everybody to listen to this episode oh uh, thank you and Allah, the feeling is mutual like this connection was always going to take place this connection was always written in the stars so it's just you know i'm grateful for this uh introduction and inshallah we can work together in the future as well so nice it's lovely it's lovely it is thank you have thank you 